Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. Today, we are looking at last judgment. You and I understand what it's like to gain time. Today, we all just gained an hour. But on the day of last judgment, Christ stands on the earth, we gain eternity. We want to look forward to that day. That's going to permeate our readings and especially the Word of God in the sermon today. Order of services found in your worship folder. Let's begin with our opening hymn, 208. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And also with you. 
we have come into the presence of God, who created to love it, for us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray. Have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sin. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give us all now strength to live according to his will. Amen. And let us pray. Lord God Almighty, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit that we may always look forward to the end of this present evil age and to the day of your righteous judgment. Keep us steadfast in true and living faith and present us at last holy and blameless before you. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. first lesson is from Malachi chapter 4, anticipating that great day as well. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the psalm of the day.
Second lesson this morning is from Hebrews 9, serving as the basis for the sermon. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the soul.
Please stand. The Gospel this morning from John chapter 5. Jesus gave them this answer. <clears throat> Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and is now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, <clears throat> for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, <clears throat> and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, <clears throat> but him who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord.
name of Jesus, our Savior, who is coming, brothers and sisters in him. In 1806, in England, a farmer had quite a chicken. A hen was laying incredible eggs with inscriptions on them. Writing was on each egg that said, Christ is coming. No joke. Crowds of people started flocking this place. They had to see this, and they began despairing over the judgment that was coming, that Jesus was coming. Except a little while later, it was found out that the farmer was taking those eggs. And they were not prophetic messages, but he himself was writing on those eggs, Christ is coming and then reinserting those eggs back into that poor hen to lay a second time. How would you like that? That at the end of your life, you stand before the Lord, and the Lord tells you, you've graffitied your life. You've been a bad egg. And you need to be reinserted and sent back into the world. This time is something else. Maybe a chicken. Maybe an animal. And this time you need to do it right. At least try the second time. Maybe a third time. Maybe the fourth time. You need to keep doing it over and over again until you finally get it right. That's called reincarnation. Maybe you like the idea, actually. Because at least if you stand before God and for whatever reason you come up short on that day that you meet him, at least reincarnation offers you a second chance. At least it offers you a way out that you don't have to consider it's, it's annihilation or, or maybe it's hell. Maybe you like the concept of reincarnation, except the Bible doesn't teach it. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. The only thing that chicken... And that farmer got right is that Christ is coming. There is a day of finality to life and to this earth as we know it. It will come to an end. Which means there is no reincarnation and you get one chance, one shot, one opportunity to stand before your Lord. And to get it right, Hebrews tells us very directly, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, people die once. The word destined means this is the inevitable thing that is coming. This is what is going to happen. You die once. And this is nothing new for New Testament people. This is the same teaching they had in the Old Testament. You die once. When death occurs, even they understood in the Old Testament, at the end of Ecclesiastes, the body goes to the ground and the spirit goes to God who gave it. Soul and body is what comprises a person. And when death occurs, this is what God never intended, but by his curse said would happen if sin entered the world. Soul and body separate. The body, mortal, goes to the ground. It decomposes exactly according to the promise of God. Dust you are, and to dust you'll return. 
The soul, though, continues living. The soul doesn't die in that sense. It doesn't cease to exist. There's no annihilation of the soul. Immediately at that moment of death, it goes to God who judges it. The soul of believers goes to heaven, just like Jesus did. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he died, his soul went to heaven. His body went to the tomb. And the soul of unbelievers goes to hell. It's permanent. That's it. When a soul of the believer goes to heaven, that soul is not sleeping. That soul does not shut down in a manner of speaking. Sleep is for the body. Sleep is for something on earth. That's why even when you sleep on earth, you dream. Your mind keeps going. Your soul stays active. Same thing in heaven. The soul stays alert. The soul stays active. It doesn't shut down or go dormant or sleep. Nor does the soul change into something else. There's no evolution of the soul. You don't become an angel when you go to heaven or your soul goes to heaven. You stay a soul. And so what happens to the souls that go to hell and the souls that go to heaven? You wait. You wait until that last great day when Christ stands on this earth and by the power of his voice he calls all of these bodies that return back to dust he brings them back and he reunites bodies with their souls even unbelievers will get their bodies back they just won't be glorified everybody gets their body back but believers are glorified and on that day When Jesus stands on this earth, it won't be to suffer. It won't be to bear a cross. It won't be to have spit dripping down his face. It won't be to endure any further degradation or mockery. That day he stands on the earth, it will be to judge. Hebrews says again, He will appear a second time not to bear sin. That day is the great curtain call of Christ. A curtain call is when the applause of the audience continues on and on, and the actor who has gone behind the stage, behind the curtain, comes out to that great fanfare of the audience. And takes a bow for the second time. You saw the actor the first time when they were on stage and they did their bit. And now the actor comes out for that second appearance. That's exactly what Christ is going to do. From Ascension and Pentecost, the church of God, the New Testament church, has been lauding Christ in worship. And we have been applauding Christ in prayer, begging him, asking him, come, come back on stage, come back to this world, come back to your people, come Lord Jesus, take what is rightfully yours and come back to what is rightfully yours so that every eye sees you once again and every knee bows before your greatness. Some willingly, even those knees that will bend unwillingly on that day.
That is the great curtain call of Christ. That moment is rightfully his. That time is rightfully his. He's the only one who deserves to step forward to that stage because by his work, he is the one who earned it. On that day again, Hebrews says, he will not come to bear sin in the least. In the mid-1850s, there was another religious leader whose last name was Miller, spelled the wrong way, (laughs) who in 1831, he predicted that Jesus was going to return in 1843. He actually amassed a following of almost 100,000 people. And when that day came in 1843 that he predicted, it went to the disappointment of all of his followers. So they pleaded with him, figure it out, clearly you did something wrong. So he went back to his math, studied whatever he was studying, and he said, yes, I made a mathematical miscalculation. Actually, Jesus is returning in 1844. All of his followers awaited for that great day that he predicted that again came and went. One of his followers wrote this. I waited all Tuesday and dear Jesus did not come. I lay prostrate for two days without any pain. Sick with disappointment. That day is not supposed to be confusing. That day is not supposed to be frustrating. That day is not supposed to be a difficult one like that. Nor are people supposed to run around with their heads cut off looking for a prophetic chicken. What more ridiculous thing can people do? Look at the Bible. This is not about playing roulette and trying to guess which day it's going to be. This is not a day that is supposed to be disappointing for the people of God or or even something that depresses us, that leads us to despair. This is the day your God is going to come and stand on the earth and you're finally going to get to see him. This is the day he stands in judgment, but for you to bring you salvation. Last judgment is not supposed to be intimidating. It's supposed to be a tremendous comfort. That's what Hebrews says. He will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And so we excitedly wait. That's what church is about right now, excitedly waiting for Jesus to come. This is what it's all about, is looking behind on the pages of Scripture, looking behind that curtain of heaven and seeing what Jesus is doing right now for you. Do you see what he's doing in heaven? He's not suffering. He's done with sin. He's won the battle against it. He's done with sacrificing. God accepted his once-for-all payment. There's nothing more that needs to be done there. Do you see the one thing that he's not done with is he's in heaven right now? He's not done with you. He is right now in heaven pleading your case. What does that mean? 
that he's pleading for you right now, that he's acting and functioning as a high priest right now for you in heaven. Well, it's a picture of the Old Testament. In the the Old Testament, the high priest would go before the Lord in the most holy inner room in the temple and offer a sacrifice for the people and represent the people that he cared for to the Lord. But Jesus is done with sacrificing. There's nothing more to do in heaven. He did it all on earth and presented his life to God. So what is he doing? He's representing the people that he loves. As Jesus stands factually in heaven this moment, he's the living gospel. And he's reminding the Lord of every promise God made that as Jesus lives, you must live. All who have faith in him must stand in heaven with him. The job isn't done, Christ's work is done, but God's promises aren't done until you're there with him. And when Christ comes back on this earth on that last great day, on that great curtain call, he's going to give it to you. That's what that day means for you. And so the last question is not, when is he going to come? That's not for us to figure out. That's not for God to tell us. He told us he's not going to tell us. The last great question for each and every one of us is, does he? Does he still represent you? If he is the savior from sin, are you still a sinner? Who needs that kind of savior? If he is done with sin, are you done with sin? Which is worse? the Christian or the egg. As disgusting as that introduction to the sermon was today about sticking an egg back inside the chicken, and it is disgusting to think about. Even worse, it's disgusting to think about a Christian giving up on the Savior who truly has done everything for them and instead says, I don't need that Savior anymore. I'm done waiting for that Jesus. I am going back to sin back to the world, back to what I want to do. That last great day will be a day of destruction for anyone like that. Wait for him. Wait for the one who's coming in mercy for those who trust him. Wait in faith for your great Lord that you're here to see again today. Wait for the one who's going to step out and come and bring salvation. This is the one you're going to see. The one who's loved you all your days. The one who's lived for you and obeyed every single law of God perfectly for you and credits to you his righteousness. This is the one who died in your place to defeat death so that you get to rise from the dead. This is the one who's been listening to your prayers. This is the one who's been pleading to God for you. This is the one who's been providing for you all of your life, all of the things that you have. This is the one who's been sending his angels to guard and protect you. And this is the one who's been guiding you by his mighty word to be in him and stay faithful to him. This is the one who forgives your sins and guarantees it. 
And on that day, this is the one who will save you. So that you stand before God. This is the great day of our Lord Jesus, his great curtain call. Don't just look to what he's doing now. Please look forward to what he's going to do for you. And wait. Because he will do it for you. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Heavenly Father, like a plant in Nineveh in front of Jonah, you know how to bless things to grow and flourish and to make them a delight to us. So we praise you with Bob and Mamie Hansen, who are celebrating 45 years of marriage yesterday, and Sigmund and Regina Bulitz as they celebrated 68 years of marriage this past week. Each of these couples have grown and flourished under your care, and you've made their marriages such a blessing. We ask you to continue to do so by your mighty hand. Lord, you also know how to repair and restore. Alan Keither has knee surgery tomorrow, and he seeks your attention to look over everything that happens to his body. Care for him before and during surgery and afterwards through therapy. Let him receive his mobility back, and with it, gifts and abilities to continue to serve you. Lastly, Lord, you have the ability also to take life. Rosemary Prem met you this past week. She's the mother-in-law of our member, Christy. Please support the family and relatives with your eternal gospel and lead them to see your power at work for your people to uplift and support us even in challenging times like this. We entrust them all to your care as we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the hymn.
Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve your Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. for you today, Bible studies. Last week we wrapped up two different Bible studies, one in the gym, one in the sanctuary. Now we're combining Bible study uh, for sure for the month of November in the gymnasium. Today we're going to start a four-week subject on mental and spiritual health. So lesson one today. Uh, there was a, an announcement from uh, Mike Heilman that there's no pioneers tomorrow evening. That event is shifted to the 15th of this month, so November 15th. Uh, so please mark your calendars if you're in the Pioneers. Uh, veterans Dinner this Thursday, just a heads up on that, and uh, you can talk to the principal uh, if you'd like more information. Then uh, I have an announcement from Corey Schrader. Corey, do you want to come on down and get a mic for you? Good morning. Good morning. 
Um, thank you, Pastor. I'm Corey Schrader. I'm the chairman of the Growing Forward Capital Campaign, which kicked off earlier this year. And even though that campaign has formally started and formally ended, there's still a lot of work going on. And so I wanted to provide a little update for you guys on that today. Uh, gifts do continue to come in. Uh, this past week, for example, a donor gave an unexpected $100,000 gift. Uh, this is an Another tremendous gift among many that have been given towards this campaign, and that certainly helps us towards the, towards the goal. And we're aware of other potential gifts and pledges that other members are still considering, so there's still a lot of, uh, God is still moving a lot of hearts, and, and we're very thankful for that. And we pray that the Lord continues to move the hearts and support this project and its ministry. The next eight weeks are very important for our congregation. Uh, at the voters' meeting at the end of January, our congregation will, will decide on the scope of the project. Our generous pledges and gifts given now in Christ will help us make those faith-filled decisions. If anyone is still considering any gifts, especially with the end of the year approaching, uh, and you have any questions about those gifts, you can contact myself or Jim Van Alstein or Pastor Miller. Thank you again for all of your support. May the Lord continue to bless us and his work among us. A couple other highlights of things that are happening. Our architect firm, Abacus, is working on a more detailed building plan. This will give us more accurate costs that we can share and consider uh, as part of this project. Up to this point, the plans that have been shared have been um, less detailed, uh, but these detailed plans will really help nail down some of those costs, especially with all the changes that have occurred uh, in the last year or more. We do expect that these new drawings will be available in about a month. Also, a finance committee has been formed. That consists of Jim Van Alstein, Trevor Athorpe, and Max Schurer. They'll be reviewing the project costs, as well as our financial situation, the gifts raised so far. And then this information will then be taken to the bank for consideration of what can be borrowed and what the mortgage payments might look like in regards to the new project. With this recent do donation, the total, uh, total gifts received uh, $1,240,811. There's still outstanding pledges of just under $492,000, which brings the total pledged and received $1,732,666. The other goal besides raising money for the capital campaign for the building project was also to retire our debt. And um, God has blessed us and moved again the hearts of our people. We were able to retire that debt earlier this year. So $557,100 of that money received was used to retire that debt. That leaves about $1.2 million available right now for the new building project. That's everything I have to update you on today, but we'll provide additional updates as they become available. Thanks again for your continued prayers and support of this exciting project. Have a great day and a great week. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. And uh, there also was another donation given of a couple thousand dollars, and they, that donation supplied all of the Bibles that you see in front of you in the pews. Those are brand new NIV 2011 Bibles, so feel free to use them. And uh, we also have a few in the, in the, on the Bible cart too for the, for the gymnasium. Then uh, we also have this month's edition of the Wells Connection. 